I gonna tell you about my background, how come I know Aramaic, and what are the Maronites, the Aramean Christians, the early, early believers of the Middle East. Then I'm gonna show you how we read and write Aramaic and tell you about the 22 letters and some history about the Aramaic language. And then I will share with you some examples from scripture about Aramaic. You will understand that. It will be a surprise for you. You already know Aramaic. There are words in scripture that you use. It's already Aramaic. And I'm gonna give you a lot of examples of idioms and the meaning of the idioms. And the idioms are important to understand the history and the background. And then after that, I'm gonna read with you the Lord's Prayer in Aramaic. I will read for you the Lord's Prayer in Aramaic. And I'm gonna put for you a video of a video clip of the Lord's Prayer for locals in Bethlehem. Aramean Christians. There are people till today speak Aramaic. And by the way, the Aramaic we're going to learn together have a Syrian dialect. And it's uh, closely related to the Aramaic of Jesus. By the way, Jesus spoke Galilean dialect. And what we're going to learn is Western Aramaic. What does it mean Western Aramaic? In the Middle East, the Euphrates River to the western part of the river and the area of Jordan, Lebanon, all the way Turkey, this is Western Aramaic. But there is also Eastern Aramaic to the right side of the Euphrates River, like Afghanistan, like other countries in that area. But we will learn the Western Aramaic because we are the same area of Jesus. And by the way, there is also 250 dialects of Aramaic, but we will learn the local dialect here because Jesus was from Galilee and I'm going to teach you the local Galilean dialect. So we will recite and learn the Lord's Prayer in Jesus' language. You're going to pronounce, you're going to, by the end of the course that I will give it to you, you're going to recite the Lord's Prayer like he recited it 2,000 years ago. The same sentences. Today's scholars, we know same sentences that goes out from Jesus' mouth. We know about them today because we know the languages. And it is easy for me <laughs> because Hebrew, Arabic, and Aramaic is my mother tongue. And these are all Semitic languages. Do you know that there are 11 Semitic languages in this part of the world in the Middle East? In Africa too, Swahili is a Semitic language. Amharic, Ethiopian, is a Semitic language. So this is where all the scholars of the Bible come from, where all the disciples come from, and where Jesus came from. And Jesus, most importantly, he spoke Hebrew and Aramaic. Aramaic was the Lunga Franca, all right? So if you want to understand the scripture in a better way, when you are no Aramaic, it will help so much. I will share with you first how I was exposed to this language. You know, I am an indigenous Christian here, and I belong to the Maronite Assyrian Church. And the liturgy till today in my home church is Aramaic. So I said, I belong to the Syriac Maronite 
Aramean church. So my family are Maronites. They are Aramaic speaking Christians. And we are indigenous to the Middle East and especially to the Holy Land. We Maronites, Aramean Christians, we have an ancient unbroken footprints in following the steps of Jesus and the pages of the Bible. From the early church, from the first century till today, all my ancestors were all the way, all the way early church believers from the area of Lebanon and going all the way, the area of Syria and the area of Israel and the area of Palestine. We belong to this part of the world and this part of the world belongs to us. I'm showing you here the my church and uh, this is like uh, a small tiny <laughs> church and there are only 25 maronite christians that's all and uh, the church is very small because the christians here are not much in numbers but because there was persecution throughout history but whenever there is persecution there is grace let me give you a little bit of a history quick lesson we the maronites the early church are named after a hermit a priest who lived in the area of syria northern syria actually and his name is saint maron i'm talking about the fourth century and he was so much believing of the message of jesus christ and he was speaking aramaic and he found places, he lived in a cave in the mountains, and he was a hermit, and he was becoming so holy and performing even miracles like Jesus, and many people followed him. And after his death, his followers were called the Maronites, not Mennonites. There's a big difference, Maronites, M-A-R-O-N-I-T-E-S. But later, during the 7th century, the early Muslims, when they came to conquer the Middle East, my, the Maronite community have so much persecution. So they all ran to Lebanon, especially they formed a community in the 9th century in Mount Lebanon. Why Mount Lebanon? because it is isolated and they were able to continue their prayers and they really, really preserved their Aramaic language. And later on, there was something called in the 20th century, the Saifo, 1915. The Saifo in Aramaic, means the genocide. I don't know if you heard about the Turks killing the Aramean Christians, the indigenous Aramaic speaking, and they did not allow them to speak the language. So the language started to demolish all the way back. And this is when my grandfather all the way went from Lebanon all the way to the land of the Bible to the Holy Land and settled in Jaffa. So my family go all the way descending back from the genocide because they wanted much more peaceful place to live.
Anyway, this is the courtyard of the Maronite church. And I took this picture just recently, a few weeks ago. And here we gather together as a community and we speak Aramaic together to preserve the language and not to forget it. And here in the center, you see a flag. This is the Lebanese flag. And by the way, this church is in Jerusalem. It's like a jewel in the middle of the city or the holy city, but not many people knows about it because it's hidden. I don't know if you know Jaffa Gate, if you've ever been in Jerusalem. I don't know if you know Christ Church and the back streets of Christ Church and the other side is the Maronite Church, a very small community that I belong to. So the flag of Lebanon, why Lebanon? Because originally we are from Lebanon, the Maronites. And by the way, the major Christians in Lebanon are the Maronites. There are almost one third of the population of Lebanon. And by the way, till today, according to the Lebanese constitution, the president of Lebanon must be a Maronite. In the courtyard here, there is a bell. And this bell have a story. The bell was brought also from Lebanon, from a village called Isgarta. It's in the north of Lebanon. And this is the only village that produce good quality bells. The weight of the bell is like five tons. And they brought it through a ship from Lebanon to Jaffa, okay? And when they put it in Jaffa, they put the bell out of the ship and here are the Maronites stuck. How are they gonna bring a five ton bell all the way from Jaffa up to Jerusalem? It's a hill going up. So that was a big story. It took them 10 days to bring the bell and put it in the church here. And by the way, the area of the courtyard was a German Protestant hospital in the 19th century. And later, the Maronites came and bought it from them and became today also a church and also a guest house. So we put a lot of twins tours groups in the Maronite guest house. The best thing here is breakfast, Lebanese food. If you love breakfast, healthy Mediterranean food, here the nun, you see the nun here, Sir Teresa and Sir John. She is responsible and she brings the food every morning for breakfast. Anyway, the healthiest ever food, the most tasty. Anyway, this is me inside the church and this is the chapel. Inside the chapel is the altar. And you see here the emblem of the Seder tree. You remember Seder tree mentioned a lot in the Bible and this is the emblem of Lebanon. So on the altar is the Seder tree of Lebanon. Here to the left is a saint, is a very important saint in the Maronite church, Saint Sharbel. We say it in Aramaic, Mar Sharbel. Mar means like uh, an important uh, figure, an important person, a wholly important person, Mar. Sharbel is his name, and he is very famous on the, in the Middle East here among the Maronites. But I'm standing here, and I have with me the earliest liturgy in Aramaic goes all the way back to the early church, first century, St. James liturgy. And this liturgy, we use it till today. 
we adopted this style of praying from the early church, known as the liturgy of St. James. It has been used continuously by the Maronite church until today in Aramaic, and it's so much deep and is so much profound. And we, the Middle Eastern Christians, we kept the original Aramaic translation of the Bible. It's called the Pshita in Aramaic. Pshita means the simple language or the local language. The Lunga Franca of the first century. And what was the local language? What was the language which was very simple among the simple people? It was Aramaic. Jesus spoke Aramaic most of the time. Of course, he spoke Hebrew, but Hebrew was only in the synagogues and among educated people. But at the first century, Aramaic was speaking throughout all over the Middle East. And we, the indigenous Christians, the Assyrian Maronites Christian, we preserve the original scripture of the Pshita, of the Aramaic, till today. Now, because of persecution, we always, the church, protected the liturgy, protected the Bible. Do you know that we have original scripture in Aramaic? Probably you never heard that about before. From the first century, we know that the book of Matthew was completely written in Aramaic. But what happened in the 70 AD, there was a Greek translation. And the Greeks wanted to bring all their influence all over the Middle East. And they burned all the original Bibles, all the books, the important books in Hebrew or in Aramaic, they burned them, but the church protected them and preserved them, like the book of Maccabees and the Pshita and the Aramaic. And the Greek translated it. And then there was another translation later to Latin, and then a third translation to English. So when translation gets three times, you miss some idioms. You miss part of the culture. You need to be involved in the culture to understand the scripture. So when you learn Aramaic, you will learn immediately what Jesus meant. And I'm going to give you a lot of examples. And when you learn Aramaic of the Lord's Prayer, it's so different from the English Lord's Prayer because of language barriers. And I'm going to give you also a lot of examples today. Now, I made a DNA test and the images and the test came back, ancestry test, when I was in the States. And the test said 100% from the Levant, from the Middle East, 100%, which means my mom's side and my dad's side are from the area of Syria, as St. Moroni told you, the indigenous believers. and then migrated all the way to Lebanon, to Mount Lebanon. And when the persecution of the Turks, they migrated to Israel, all right, in Jaffa here. So even science proved that we are indigenous. And the Maronites, before the Maronites being there, we are Phoenicians, all right, Phoenicians. Who are the Maronites? Our identity is Aramaic. 
That means my ancestors were originally Phoenicians. And Phoenicians made a big effect. They were the modern people of ancient times, Phoenicia. Anyway, this is Saint Maron. And as I mentioned, he was born in Northern Syria in the fourth century. And this is a very important hermit in the early church. Marun. He is, and he attracted so many followers and drew attention throughout all the Middle East because of his pious hermit life. Now, let's get deeper. Why we need to learn the Lord's Prayer in Aramaic? Because it's a Semitic language. The written Aramaic uses consonants and goes from right to left. In the West, you go from left to right. Every Middle Eastern script and some of the script in the Far East can trace their roots to the Aramaic letters which is originally the Aramaic letters came from the Phoenician letters, the Phoenician alphabets, and they evolved over time. And we're gonna learn about how they evolved. I'm just gonna give you a picture how Aramaic look. This is Olaf, which is the letter A. This is Beth, which is the letter B. This is the letter Wow, the alphabet Wow. And this diagonal letter is noon. This is abun. Abun means father. So this is the Lord's Prayer in Aramaic, which we're going to study during the course. So what is Aramaic? Aramaic is the language of Jesus and his disciples. It's the language that connected the New Testament and the Old Testament. It's the language where the New Testament was born. You know that the Aramaic affected a lot of Jewish scripture and a lot of Muslim Arabic scripture, the Quran. There's a lot of verses in the Quran contains of Aramaic words. And there is a lot of Hebraic scripture that have Aramaic, the book of Daniel, the pronunciation of the modern Hebrew also, all comes from Aramaic. And before Aramaic, they come from Phoenicians. And before Phoenicia, they come from the Akkadian language. And before the Akkadian, we have the Sumerian culture. And we have in ancient times, the cuneiform language, all right? You see here the cuneiform letters a ah ooh anyway but it's so complicated because they have 800 letters with time it was then 600 letters but the phoenicians were brilliant they took all these letters the 600 of them and they developed the phoenician alphabets in 22 letters so that was a big invention because, you know, in ancient times, you write on stones or you write in papyrus. 
and you don't have to write long sentences. So the creation, the invention of the brilliant Phoenicians in the Middle East, they made 22 letters. And this is the Olaf, and this is the Beth, all right? And now when you write, it's easier. It's to write the script. So this is why the Phoenician Aramaic language was throughout the administrative power of the Middle East. This is why this language lasted from 1000 BC till today. People till today speak Aramaic. And here are the letters in Aramaic, which we're gonna learn them all <laughs> during the course. And they are written differently in the beginning of the word, the center of the word, and the end of the word. I know if one, you think it's very hard, I'm going to make it for you very simple. Only in two months, you will be able to read and write Aramaic, and you will be able to recite the Lord's Prayer in Aramaic. I'll give you some more lessons about the Hebrew language. This is Hebrew, Aleph, Beit, Tait, all right, Hebrew. Look how we call it the square letter shapes, the square script. And here we have the Arabic, all right? Alif, ba, ta, fa. Anyway, all the origins of the Hebrew and the Arabic is Aramaic system. So this is very important. If you need to know and get deep in the Bible, you need to understand and learn some Aramaic. Of course, I can give you examples. Jesus certainly spoke in Aramaic. He formulated the Lord's Prayer in Aramaic. Actually, he took it from a Hebrew Aramaic scripture called the Kaddish. Kaddish was written in Aramaic. The Kaddish is a prayer made during funerals. So some of that prayer was taken by Jesus all the way to use the Lord's Prayer. Many idioms and many parables of Jesus were preserved in the New Testament in Aramaic. And now I'm going to give you real examples of Aramaic. Of course, it's a rich language. It traces all the way back, as I mentioned, 1000 BC, which means all the way, all the way, this spoken language, all the way today is spoken by the early church believers. Not much of them, by the way, in Lebanon and Syria till today, there are complete villages like Ma'alula, they speak Aramaic. In Jerusalem, there is an Assyrian Aramean community, they speak Aramaic, all right? So you find them. They are all over here in the Middle East, of course. So why we need to learn Aramaic? Because Jesus spoke and sang songs and prayed and taught in Aramaic. It's a very important, significant language. He taught the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, 9 to 13 in Aramaic, the early, earliest scripture what found in the Middle East was the book of Matthew in Aramaic. Galilean Aramaic. Also, we know about the Dead Sea Scrolls were written in Aramaic, right? And a lot of early texts in Judaism was written in Aramaic. You know, the Talmud, 
that was compiled, the Palestinian Talmud that was compiled 500 AD in Tiberius was written in Aramaic. A lot of rabbinical teachings are in Aramaic. And there's a complete translation of the Old Testament in Aramaic. So the Aramean Christians and their Aramaic language also influenced the spoken and written Arabic dialect. Now, the book of Genesis, Samuel, Kings, Chronicles, it's fascinating that the Bible explicitly identifies the patriarchs and the matriarchs of the Jewish nation as Arameans, all right? As Arameans believers. And I give you all the references here, but I can't read it all. I give you only two. But here, Genesis 24, 10, 25, 20. Let us read Deuteronomy 6, 25. Then you shall declare before the Lord, your God, my father was a wandering Aramean. It was Abraham's father. And he went down into Egypt with a few people and lived there and became a great nation, powerful and numerous. His father was an Aramean. They went to Haran. Jacob worked with Laban. Laban was an Aramean too. Also Genesis 10, 22 to 23, the children of Shem, Al-Am, Ashur, and Afrahad, and Lud, and Aram. You see here, Aram. I get you the original where the Arameans come from. And the children of Aram, Uz, and Hul, and Geshur, and Mash. You can see my pronunciation is different than your pronunciation. I pronounce in the original context of scripture. So we have Adam and Eve. Then he had three sons. We know about Cain, Abel, and Sheth. And Sheth, Noah. And Noah had three sons, Ham, Sham, and Yafet. And Sham, Cham, had five sons. But the older son was Aram, Aram. So here where Abraham come from, Aram, which is the son of one of the five sons of Sham. The Arameans are ancient Semitic speaking people in the Near East. We have the first recorded historical source from the 12th century in the Arameans' homeland of a scripture written in Aramaic, 12th century BC. And this is the area of the land of Aram. This is the Euphrates River. And this is the Tigritus River. And this is the area of Iraq here, Turkey. And down south is the area of uh, Jordan and Syria. So this is Mesopotamia, also known the land of Aram or Aramea. So it's a historical region having the Aramean kingdoms covering all the area, also parts of Iraq and Lebanon too. Aram, this is how we write it in Aramaic. And Aram literally means highness, means upper class. It means he is unique. He is different than his brothers. His significant brother. He is called. So Aram was the son of Shem, as we read. Now, I'm going to give you some examples and get to you and explain about idioms. 
idioms is important because the Jesus spoke in idioms in the Middle East. How we think here, we think like Jesus because we know the languages, all right, Aramaic and Hebrew. And idioms are like metaphors. They are like storytellers. And every story have a meaning, all right? So you need to tell stories. And if you understand the language, you will understand the context of the story. But the translators from one language into another had always been facing difficulties in translating some parts of the scripture. Why? They don't belong to this part of the world. They have a Greek mindset or a Western mindset. But here we Arameans have the original mindset of Jesus. Let me explain more. The Bible has been translated throughout centuries. And it has been subject to revision throughout a lot, a lot, a lot of scholars. Especially the 16th century translators of the Holy Bible. Like the King James translation. They did not understand the idioms. They didn't understand the language. There is no James in the Bible, all right? James is a name made because of the king. He wanted to put his name. It's Jacob or Yaakov in Hebrew or Yaakub, but not James, all right? So there's a lot of mistranslation. So you need to understand the true meanings of where the words were lost in translation. And I'm going to give you examples. Because the Western translators of the scripture were unfamiliar with the Eastern customs and the manners and the culture, which constitute the background of the Bible. You know, all the authors of the Bible, the disciples were born in this part of the world, in the East. And they spoke the Semitic language of Aramaic and Hebrew. It was written in this context, but the Greek translation, the Bible, remember 70 AD, the Septuagint, okay? They kept, when they done the translation from the original languages, Hebrew and Aramaic, they kept some phrases not translated because they did not understand the meaning of the words, some Aramaic words. And I'm gonna give you now the examples what I, do mean by that because there are some parables that Jesus spoke from his own mouth and it happens that they were not able to translate it because it was originally in Aramaic and they tried to keep it in Aramaic because they did not want to mess with the translation and the translator himself did not know and did not understand the meaning let me give you an example what I'm saying a modern example of today when you speak in english it's raining cats and dogs so if you're not from the western culture you're from the east you will not understand what is it raining cats and dogs is it physically raining cats and dogs no it means that it's raining hard so this is an english idiom if you're not aware of the english parable and idiom and metaphor you will not understand it the same thing applies in the Hebrew and Aramaic, the translators did not know the idioms. Let me give you an example. When Jesus raised Talitha from death, Mark 5, 41, he took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha Pumi. Now, why this is kept, not translated? Because this is Aramaic. The translator did not understand the meaning of it. 
Talitha is a little girl, all right? Talitha means a little girl. Kumi in Aramaic means wake up from your sleep. Little girl, wake up from your sleep. So this is one example. I'm going to give you a few of them. When Jesus healed the blind man, Mark 7, 34, open your Bible. You're going to see these words that you will not understand. And it's not English. It's not even Hebrew. It's Aramaic. Mark 7, 34, he looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, it fatha, it fatha, which means it's an order, be opened. Open up your eyes. So when you know the Aramaic, they know the meaning of it fatha, open up. Jesus is ordering the eyes of the blind to be opened up. So this is a local Galilean slang language. Also, Matthew 5.22. Probably you read this verse so many times and did not get it. And there was complete theology built on that. But if you know the original scripture, it's much more simple. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, again, Raka, Raka means dumb or stupid or weak. So whenever you say to you, his brother, stupid, he shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hellfire. So weak. Whenever you say someone weak, raka means weak. And raka has been never translated into Greek or Latin or English. It kept the same thing. The translator were unable to understand its meaning. This is a Aramean idioms. So when you understand the meaning of it, you understand the words of Jesus. One more example. And this is a complete theology built on this words the last sentence is that jesus spoke from his own mouth a complete theology built about it but they don't know the source of it the meaning and you when you're in agony you always go back to who you are you go to your identity you go to express yourself in your language so jesus said eli eli lama shbaktani Okay, this is Aramaic. Eli, Eli, Lamash, Bakhtani. Now, the soldiers that were there who stood across this cross did not understand what Jesus is saying at that hour of agony and suffering. They thought, Eli, Eli, they thought he's calling on Elijah. But Eli means God, God. Lama means why. Shbaktani literally means kept me. All right? So shbak is the Aramaic root. God is telling, like Jesus is telling God, now I understand why you kept me to this moment. Let me explain more. 
Shbat in Aramaic, which is not Hebrew, all right? Shbak means kept me. So look, I'm going to rephrase it, all right? This term is only used in Aramaic and was not able to be translated. Till today, we use it. The Arameans from Assyria, from Lebanon, from this part of the world, we use this Galilean spoken word, Shbak, to this day. And it's a phrase which means God, God, for this I was kept. This is my destiny. I was born for this moment. When Jesus said Shbaktani, it means he understood at that moment on the cross of his death completely the plan of salvation, and he's accepting it. And Jesus is not saying, Lord, Lord, why are you leaving me? Why you left me? No, this is wrong translation. He's saying, Father, I accept everything you are telling me to do, and I get it, and this is why I am here. And this is why he gave his soul. So now when you know the original Aramaic, you know exactly the meaning of scripture. Let me give you another example. By the way, I have hundreds of examples of idioms in Hebrew and in Aramaic. Maybe one course in the near future, I will do only a course about the idioms and the parables in the Bible and then get you to the roots of Jesus' mindset, his heart and his mind. Now let us read from Matthew 19, 24. Jesus once said, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Also, a lot of theology in the West was wrote about this verse, but they don't know the exact meaning of Aramaic. Okay, Scholars say that the word was misspelled. And so Jesus may have been making an analogy to threading like a big camel, all right? through a needle, that does not make sense. It's not a large animal, all right? Or the scholar said, maybe, in other words, he may have been referring to something extremely difficult, all right? But I will tell you what the original Aramaic language, it's gamlo, gamlo. Gamlo in Aramaic means a thick rope. But the translator, the Greek translator, did not understand the Aramean idiom and the culture. If you don't understand or live in this culture, you will not understand translating it. So gamlo literally means a thick rope. All right? So the Greek translation translator, he had more Greek background influence than Aramaic. So let me read it for you now at it looked in the first century and what Jesus exactly meant. Jesus once said, it is easier for a thick rope to go through the eye of a needle. You know, when you have a thick rope, the eye of the needle is small. So you're going to try one time, two times, three times, five times, ten times, but it's hard, but it's not impossible. It will enter if you persist. All right. If you have put effort on it, if you work hard on it, 
than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. It means even a rich man will enter the kingdom of heaven, but not easily. He has to repent. He has to do a lot of efforts in order to enter the kingdom of heaven, and he will be part of the kingdom of heaven. So when you understand this verse, you understand what Jesus was referring to. He was referring and he was saying it's extremely difficult because the rich man will depend on his riches, but it's not impossible. So here is it so clear if you know the language. And this is why I want to teach a lot of Aramaic. And to your surprise, you know a lot of Aramaic already, Aramaic words quoted in the Greek text that was not translated because, again, the Greek did not know what it means. Like Golgotha is the place of skull in, in Matthew 27:33, And then we have the Gabbatha, the protorium, the stone pavement, Gabbatha. It's an Aramaic word. Also, Bet Esda, Bet Hesda in Aramaic means the house of mercy in John 5.2. I tell you, there are so much teaching about this place, Bethesda, the word itself. And when you understand the word in Aramaic, you will understand completely the miracle of the healing of the person. It's very simple. It's very easy. Maybe I will do a webinar only about that miracle, John chapter 5, in an Aramaic way of thinking. It will transform your mind and you'll see how much simple it is because so many people struggle about that verses of scripture. Because we speak the native tongue. This is the language and the tongue of Jesus. That's what he spoke. We still live and think and talk as did the people among whom Jesus was born and to whom he revealed his message too. We have the same culture, the Aramean culture. Also, another word you know about in Acts 1.19, hakliddima. This is a pure Aramaic word. I know the meaning. It's so easy to explain about hakliddima, the field of blood. And when I teach you about hakliddima, it's completely different what you think about it in the West. All right? There's a complete teaching about it. But I'm giving you only a taste today because when we learn the Lord's Prayer in Aramaic, we will not learn only the words. I'm going to give you some examples when we are studying Aramaic. It's a very rich language. It's a very deep language. And it's a very authentic language. Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It's different than what you think in English, the words. All right. It's so different. Even the Lord's Prayer in Aramaic is way different. So my goal in this course, that you will learn how to read and write the Lord's Prayer and recite it in Aramaic to discover the depth of the meaning of the Lord's Prayer and the Aramaic language. This is the Lord's Prayer in Aramaic in decoration. This is also also some Aramaic to give you examples, but let me give you to another level now. The Aramaic la language is so deep because it's so ancient and complex, but I will try to make it so simple. Now, if you think, no, I am old, I can't learn it, I tell you, we will make it so fun and so exciting to you 
that in two months you will be able to read and write and recite the Lord's Prayer in Aramaic. And it will be recorded so you can go back <laughs> to it. And every class I divided it, we will study only few letters. All right, maybe three or four letters at most each class. But I will show you now how the letters look. And I divided the 22 letters in six words. Actually, my dad was teaching this to me since I was a kid. I will pronounce it for you in Aramaic, the 22 letters in six words. Abjad hawaz hotti kalman sa'afats karshat. The first letter in Aramaic is the Olaf, letter A. And the last letter in Aramaic is the Tau. You see this like an L shape. Tau, which is the T. Now, Jesus never said from his own mouth, I am the Alpha and the Omega. It's a Greek translation. Jesus said from his own mouth, I am the Olaf and the Tau. Let me explain more. Let me dig more because this language is so deep. I want to give you just a simple example. Today in archaeology, in the Middle East, in this part of the world, in agriculture, in archaeology, they found in the fields because everyone was farmers in Jesus' times, right? And in the fields, they found the letter Olaf at the beginning of the path, in the agriculture path, and at the end of the agriculture path, they found a letter Tau. So these letters, the Olaf and the Tau, is the beginning and the end of the agriculture path. I don't know if you watched The Chosen, when the disciples went to do the, to the agriculture field and they done the field. They knew what to do because it's from Olaf to Tau. And when Jesus is saying, I am the Olaf, I am the Tau, I am the beginning and the end that will supply you all your needs. I am the path. So he was giving them examples from the culture. If you follow me, you're going to get everything. If you follow my path, if you follow my words, you're going to have sufficient food to your life. So this, what does he mean by the Alpha and the Omega? Anyway, this is only an example. Let me show you how the letters look and how they sound. Again, every class will only take four letters. Olaf is A. You write it like straight down. Beth is B. You write it like half a circle. And by the way, every, every letter have a meaning. In each class, I will tell you the meaning of Olaf. I will tell you the meaning of Beth. I will tell you the meaning of Gomal. All right? Gomal, like God, G. Then Dolath, Dolath, D. You see a half a circle down and a dot down. And of course, you write some of the letters in the beginning, in the middle, in the end of the word is different, all right? But I'm giving you now the general idea. So every word have a meaning. Olaf is from the original Phoenicians, all right? Which means the oxen. Olaf is the animal 
in Aramaic, the oxen who is in the fields. He is the leader. You know, every village in the first century, they have only one male oxen. He's the leader because he can give life to people, to all the other cows. He is the leader. He is the important. You know, when you own an oxen in a village, you are the most important person. You are the top. Anyway, this is all of bait. I'm just giving you examples how this language is so deep. Beth means a house. Look how it's, you make it like this, half a circle, and it looks like a home, like a house. And it's half a circle. It's continuity. It's never finished. It's a community. Even in writing, the letters have meanings, all right? There's a continuity. The house, the family. It's not the physical house here. It's the spiritual house, is the continuation of the community. This never finishes, semicircular, all right? So every word have a meaning. Then we have the he. This is like half a circle with a dot, the H in English. Then we have the wow, small circle. The O in English. Then we have the Zai. It's half of the Olaf, half of it, the letter A. Half of it is Zai. It's not hard. It's going to be fun. Then we have the Het, H letter. Actually, it's not H, it should be He, but you don't have it in English. Het, you pronounce it from down. It's a Semitic pronunciation. Het. It's like three lines. Then we have the Tef. The T. Then we have the youth, the Y. It's like also a U shape, half a U. Then we have the cough, K. Then we have the Lomad. And by the way, when you write it, you write it from down up, not from up to down, like in English, from down to up. Lomad is L. Of course, it's different from, also have different forms. Some letters have different forms. We'll study it all. Then the mim, half a circle and down, m. Then the nun, nun, it's a diagonal line. The letter n. Simkat, the s letter. I, also like a U shape, but smaller. I, you don't have it in English. <laughs> it's a... I put it double A, but it's I, I, this is Semitic language. Then you have the Fe, which is F, a circle and down above the line. Then you have the Tzode, TZ together, Tzode. You don't have it also in English, but it's like a line down, then like a curve or like a hook, Tzode. And then they have the Kof, Q, half a, cir a circle with a line up. Then we have the resh. It's below the line, a circle, and a dot on the top, which is R in English. Then we have the shin, SH. Then we have the tau, like an L is the T, the tau. Anyway, we're going to go one by one and learn it all. And now I'm going to give you an example how to read the Lord's Prayer in Aramaic. So if you take this course, and write and recite 
what Jesus recited from his own mouth. And I will do only one line today. And also we're going to learn the vowels. You see, there's different vowels, different shapes. We're going to learn the vowels because the vowels are important to pronounce the words. And I tell you, I'm going to make it so simple. Okay, let me start reading. And when I start reading, there is the translation down in English words. You can follow, but this is Olaf. This is Beth. This is Wow. This is Noon. So let me start. And I want you to hear sentences Jesus pronounced from his own mouth. The early church, the disciples pronounced these Galilean accent words. Abun Dbashmayo. Tifkadash Shmoch, Tethe Malkutoch, Nehye Sibionoch. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Let me repeat it for you again, just to hear it. Abun Dbash Mayo, Tifkadash Shmoch, Tethe Anyway, we're going to continue and read it all when we study together. Did you know that Aramaic is still spoken by communities throughout the Middle East and the diaspora? Because many Aramean Christians, because of wars, they went to the West, like Australia, like Europe, Sweden, even in the United States, even in Texas, in San Antonio, there's a big community. When I was there, also a few months ago, I went to the church, the modern church, and there were people speaking Arameans, Aramaic. And as I mentioned, some villages until today in the Middle East speak Aramaic, like Ma'alula in northern Syria. Why? Because in northern Syria, Ma'alula was in the mountains when the Turks came that village was so far that they didn't reach there and not like, and they did not stop them from speaking the language because the Turks, when they controlled uh, from, 19, from 1517 to 1917 for 400 years, they didn't allow the Arameans to speak Aramaic because of persecution. They're not allowed. This is why they ran and scattered all over. Anyway, now I'm gonna put for you a video and this video is indigenous local Aramean Christians from Bethlehem, all right? And reciting the Lord's Prayer in its original language in the Nativity Church in Bethlehem where Jesus was born.
to tell you when you take this course and learn the Aramaic language and recite the Lord's Prayer it will be very spiritual it will be very deep taking the original scripture you will know the truth and the truth will set you free will make change in your spiritual walk and it will break a lot of your like it will break a lot of things from your life to be much more healed. There is something different with the depth of the words of Jesus that he pronounced from his mouth. It will bring a transformation to your life, to your health, to your surroundings. I'm experiencing a lot of identity. It will take you to your identity, to your core identity, who you are. You will know your story. You will know what you destiny, what you're born for, what to do in life. It brings a lot of breakthrough. Anyway, look what is written in the Palestinian Talmud in Sotah, chapter 7-2. My son, let not the Aramaic be lightly esteemed by you as the Holy One. Blessed be he. He has been fit to give it voice in the Torah and the prophets and the writings be lightly esteemed by you do not make aramaic lightly esteemed it's important you'll be blessed be all right who would fit these words who read these words in the torah for those who love the lord and care about his word it is therefore imperative that we understand aramaic it's essential that we understand this important language because it's badly neglected in the West. Aramaic needs to regain its former place at the heart of the churches in the West, at the heart of the Bible studies. Now listen carefully for my next sentence. You, you're hearing this webinar, you need Aramaic. And Aramaic needs you you'll be amazed how fast you can learn the language even if you don't have any prior knowledge from before and by the way it's so easy for me Aramaic because I know Hebrew and I know Arabic so if you know Hebrew this will help you and if you know Arabic will help you but it's not a necessity all right even if you don't have any knowledge that's fine even you say this is so hard. No. You know what? If you want to take everything easy, you not get deep. If you want endurance, if you want to get real, to study, you need to study scripture. Jesus said, in a, I'm going to translate from Aramaic to English, if you know scripture, you know the truth the truth will set you free but do you know what is the verse before it in aramaic if you study my word it's a conditional statement if you study my words then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free if you study my words the scripture aramaic 
then you will know me and you will be set free. So Aramaic needs you and you need Aramaic. So I recommend this course if you're interested in the Lord's Prayer. Also, I will give you a lot of resources and a lot of idioms and parables and a lot of studies about Aramaic because it's a complete culture. We're going to learn about the history also. You're going to learn about the customs, the context, and the culture of the first century in this course. It will be fun and exciting and never boring. So if you're interested in this course and you want to buy it and you want your dream to come true, and if you hear this webinar and today the course is for $189.99, but, but I decided to make it less expensive. I decided to make it affordable. And from today, it will be only 89.99. And go to this website, walkingthehollyland.com slash book online and book the course. There are other courses too, but book the course. I recommend you to do it right now because this is a special price. From today, it will be only 89.99. You know, there is so much work in preparing these courses, but I enjoy it. It's so fun. But we need income. We need from our hard work to bring income because there's no tourism right now. And we came with this idea to do online courses. So you will be a blessing to us. You have no idea if you buy this course, you're going to be a blessing to us and we will be a blessing to you. Again, buy it today with this price. And if you hear me also in the future, I'm going to keep only this price for you. So go to walkingtheholyland.com slash book slash online. Also on, on the link below, there will be uh, the link of the courses. Of course, there's other courses that are happening and are recorded. You can choose also them. But this is the most recent new course we're going to do. And the course will start in January 8, 2022. And it will be 6 p.m. Israel time. Now, if you're in a different part of the world, and this is late for you, everything will be recorded and sent to you the next day. So do not worry. Even if you find it like it's hard or I'm doing a, a lot of teachings and it's a lot of wealth materials and it's so deep materials, you can go to these lessons five times, six times. And I tell you, every time you go to the lesson, you will understand and learn a revelation will take place to your life. Because the word of God is so deep and into layers. Everyone is going to go back learning this lesson. Even if you go back to learn this webinar, because it's so rich, you're going to learn new things every time. It's a revelation of the word of God to your life. And I want to ask something from you. Expand the word, please. Let more people know about these courses. These courses are very, very important. Because Aramaic needs to be expanded in the Western churches today to bring the real theology of Jesus. 
not the Western or not the Greek mindset. It's all about me, me, self-centered, self-centered. It's about how I can achieve. No, it's not that. Jesus is not teaching about that. Jesus is teaching about the moment, the present reality. We should live in the present reality and learn more about the custom, the culture, and the context of scripture. And by learning Aramaic and by learning the Lord's Prayer, it will bring life to you and you will bring life to others and you will understand the original words of the parables and the idioms and you will understand the depth of the meaning of the Lord's Prayer in Aramaic.